Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. On today's 143rd episode of The Thriller Zone, we welcome Sunday Times bestseller Lucy Clark, author of The Hype. <laughs> Well, folks, look who is on the podcast, Lucy Clark. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, it's so nice. You say the nicest things. The book <laughs> is The Hike. And uh, I have so many things to say about this book. And uh, man, just so much. I've got notes uh, everywhere. And as you'll, <laughs> anybody who watches the show knows that I, uh, I love to mark things up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick off right. the party. right. I hope you don't mind hearing my uh, scratchy little voice do some reading in just a moment. I love it. Okay, fantastic. I'll settle in. <laughs> well, first of all, um, it is uh, the book, The Hike, is it's more, as I learned, uh, more than just a hike. So we're going to get to that. But I'd like to know, how are things happening on your side of the world? I, I realize that you're ending the day as I'm beginning mine. That's right. So I'm on the south coast of England um, on a beach town called Warmouth, which is where I live. Um, so actually, it's a little bit hard to explain this, but I spend my summer in a beach hut, which is where I write. Mm -hmm. I'm not there now. I don't have Wi-Fi there. That's exactly why I go there to write. So I've just cycled from our beach hut back home to my office here, which is a, just a 10-minute cycle through a lovely nature reserve um, to do this recording. And then I'm whizzing back down to the beach hut after this. So that's hard to kind of put that in everyone's mind, but that's that's where I am and, and what, what I do. Well, I uh, I share one thing with you. I'm about one and a half miles from the beach. Oh, lovely. Um, perhaps not quite your kind of beach, but it's uh, San Diego, uh, Del Mar area. And I'll tell you, I, 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 like you, find so much inspiration and calm all at the same mm. time near the water, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just headspace right there. Yeah. Um, I want to shoot out of the gate with this because one of our, one of my favorite guests on the show and she was on, I, I can't recall exactly when Sarah Pierce said oh. some lovely things about you. Oh, that's very kind. Uh, and in the press, she goes a taught compulsively readable and elegantly written thriller. And I thought she nailed it. <laughs> mm. She was on talking about her book, The Sanatorium, and she, she's, she's just so lovely. And she was praising you. Um, she was, we were talking off mic afterwards, talking about all our favorite writers, and you were right there among the top. And I find it so interesting. And, and we talk about this on the show all the time, the thriller community, how loving and supportive and oh, lifting the community you. is, right? Yeah, it is. And I'm a huge fan of Sarah's work. And we've not met yet, but we're actually doing our first event together in the UK um, next month. So I'm really looking forward to meeting her because, you know, you have these connections with people. And I think particularly when my sort of strongest author connections are, are, are with people whose work I really love and admire, because just immediately, I don't know, there's like a connectivity thing. So I'm really looking forward to doing an event together. It'll be wonderful. Yeah. Well, please give her our best. I will. Um, I want to take her quote one step further because I said, uh, I have this feeling of like, if you're a fan of 
um, how would you call it, uh, uh, buddy movies, whether it's men or women, then especially men and women who are caught in impossible situations, then this is the kind of story for you. <laughs> yes. Because you think, oh, it's a nice little hiking story. It's a bunch of gals. Get Matter of fact, how about you give me the elevator pitch and then I'd love to expand on it because I don't want to give anything away. Sure. It's four British women in their mid-30s, all at different points in their life where they are thirsting for change. And they normally take an annual holiday somewhere relaxing and poolside and easy. And they take it in turns each year to choose. And this year, it's Liz's turn to choose. And she just surprises them all by saying, I want to go hiking. I need to go into the wilderness. I need you guys with me. And they are all non-hikers and are just like, can you just, you know, do something a little bit more easy? Um, and so they set off and things don't go to plan. And, that, and that's where it takes us into deep Norwegian wilderness. Things don't go as planned. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that's a, a great summation of that. And, you know, I found your writing because I'm, I'm brand new to your material. Sure. So I apologize for not having read all of your books, <laughs> but I'll put them on my list. <laughs> that very, very long list, no doubt. But um, there's no, absolutely. I think when you've got a big old backlist, it's so lovely when someone sort of discovers you later on. It's lovely. Yeah. Well, what I found, uh, I was expecting, you know, I, I, I tend to go into books with very little expectation. I don't read, I often won't even read the blurb. I just want to go completely surprised. Of course, I have to know it's a thriller and your publicist and agents and so forth talk to me and make sure that, you know, this is a thriller and la-di-da. And then, so I, I have very few preconceived notions of what I'm going to expect. So m part of my point is, as I was reading this and the prologue kicks off and I wanted to say to you, and it's a compliment, trust me, yeah. uh, that you're as much a poet as you are a thriller writer. I take that as a huge compliment. Thank you. Thank and here's why. Listen to, this is just the first paragraph. So bear with me a second. Her body lies broken on the mountainside. It rests on a bed of dark rock, a thin pillow of green lichen beneath her cracked skull. Her irises hold the reflection of the sky, clouds traveling across unseen pupils. Her face is undamaged, almost unnervingly so, her skin pale and clear. The breeze carries the scent of earth, salt, blood. It toys with a wisp of hair at her temple, then worries the collar off her top. Other than that, she is still. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> and as they say, they're off to the races. <laughs> it's so lovely to hear, you know, my words read aloud, actually. I'm not sure I've almost heard them read by someone else. And it, yeah, and you know, you, you craft a lot and, and work. And it's just, it's nice when you're, uh, you know, I haven't read back over the book for several months. Um, and it's, yeah, it's nice to hear. Lovely to hear. Well, thank you. And, you know, the, the, the descriptions are beautifully uh, written. They're startling. Right about the time you think, oh, the girls are going through the woods and they're <laughs> in the forest and the birds and all of a sudden <laughs> it's the way you plant these little and there's a guy standing across in the shower. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? I'm just relaxing and now it's the guy. Right. Do you know I love when I 
read because I do, I think what you do when you read, I, I highlight all the time and I am always looking for, I'm learning through, I'm self-taught and I've learned through brilliant writers, you know, how they craft books. And one of the things that I've noticed in, in fantastic writers, and we were talking uh, just briefly about Megan Abbott, who was on the show recently, and she does this fantastically. And I call it just the the shift of the lens. So you are focused on a scene and you've created it beautifully, but just that sort of camera angle just shifts enough to see, I don't know, just a, it might, might be a flicker of eye movement or it might be the presence of someone. And it's that really tiny moment that can be so easily missed, but it just holds such a lot of tension. And for me, writing thrillers, tension comes from emotional tension and I'm not interested in those like who's behind me running down the street pacey pacey I just want that moment where like I'm in the character's world and there's just that shift of the lens and you get a chill that's what I love yeah the chill and shift of the lens that's a great way to look at it uh, especially if you're uh, a cinematographer or a photographer uh, as I know you are, even if it's in the selfie mode, because I stalked, I mean, uh, looked, browsed, researched, I did homework on your Instagram account. <laughs> homework. Homework. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, what I what I thought was interesting, I, I enjoyed seeing what I thought of snapshots of your life journey. And I was taken not only of the beauty of the surroundings and the beach and the, you know, and the, and the fan, uh, friends and family. But there was almost a, and I actually wrote this down, it was an unspoken sense of feeling of adventure in nearly every photo. Ah, oh, that's so interesting. I love yeah, it wasn't just a, oh, snap, look, I'm here having some ice cream and a coffee. No, it's everything on your Instagram. It, feel, it all feels like an adventure. And it made me think, I wonder if that's how Lucy sees her life like snapshots of imagination as she crafts her stories. That's a really interesting way to, to look at things. And I, I think my husband and I and our, our little family, we've got two young children, we are what I would describe as being very lifestyle driven. So we've always put that above anything else, above financial goals or career goals. It's, it's what lifestyle can we create together and we love to travel. He's a professional windsurfer. I, you know, surf and hike and paddleboard and just, we love outdoors things. Um, and so I think we're always looking for, yeah, just, you know, we're not, all, we're not big adventurers doing grand scale things, but I love finding the adventure in the kind of day to day. Yeah. Well, that's very obvious and, uh, and evident. And I think it's interesting that all of your I think nearly all of your books have to do with either a romantic getaway or an exotic island or these these uh, fjords, you know, the mountains and the. It's just fantastic. And so I thought, I wonder, is she? Do, do you, Lucy? Do you get a chance to go to all these different locations to serve as your homework? <laughs> My homework is the very best part of this job, and. Yes, I make it an absolute, you know, requisite that I must go to any place I write about. And my novels are all set in far-flung places, the Philippines, Tasmania, Bali, Norway, Greece. Um, yeah, and I have been to all of the places and I've just, I'm working on a novel set in Morocco. So this year, 
we went out to Morocco on the research trip. Um, and it's a really, you know, I joke because, of course, it's just a glorious part of the job. But actually, it does feel very fundamental to, to my process because place comes first for me in any story. So that is the thing that I build the novel around is a sense of place. So, you know, the hike, Norway, I'd never been. I wanted to set a novel in the wilderness. I'd seen and read lots about Norway and, and that was it. We decided, you know, let, let's do this. Let's put on our backpacks pack tents, hiking boots, and just off we went in, into the wilderness. And it was, you know, brought the, brought the novel to life for me. Well, and, and it really did uh, for all of us readers, because it's interesting, all these tiny little things you'll do, like there's this one scene where the girls are in a tent and a storm is blowing in, and someone made the bad call of not telling the other girls that the storm was coming. And it's the way you describe, and anyone who's ever been camping before and been inside a two-person tent and have the way that it kind of sucks in on you when the wind is beating against you and the way it hits your face, all those tiny little details without being laborious were so interesting because I, you know, it, I just instantly, it was like watching a movie. I was instantly there. I felt the rain. And uh, there's one of your gifts for sure. Good. I feel, thank you, David, because I think those, I have a note on my manuscripts often at the top, that's just as like the five point star of the senses, you know, making those vivid details. Because sometimes in a thriller, you're, you're asking a reader to suspend their disbelief in, you know, in part when you have these kind of big plot points happening. And I think the way to do that, in my opinion, uh, well, is when you're grounded in place. So to kind of have those kind of vivid, sensual details about setting, you can then get away with maybe needing to stretch that uh, suspension of disbelief a little further. And I think that's, you know, that I always come back to, like, get the fundamentals, you know, drilled down, and then you can have fun with going a bit wilder with the plot. And well, and that's the, this is the perfect place because my next comment was about uh, uh, in the hike that the, the forest and the river and the entire ambiance and uh, plays the serene characters, even amongst the impending danger. And each one of those elements seems to take on its own life so that the, and I, I say this probably too often, but that the environment, your setting, becomes its character itself. And all of a sudden, that character of place feels as important as the character speaking the words too. Yeah, I think that um, for me, I just, I love writing setting. And I think when it becomes such an integral part of the plot, that it is lovely when it feels like a character. And I, you know, you play with in, a, in any thriller, different strands of tension. And you've got the tension in the hike of the women themselves. You know, is this friendship group going to make it? Are they going to implode? Right. Is the threat from when they set out, they have a night in the lodge at the beginning and they meet a host of other characters. You know, what kind of cat amongst the pigeons stuff has gone on there that's going to follow them on the trail? And then you've got, of course, the very natural tension that is there from nature itself and the landscape. And I think there's so much to play with. And it's kind of just pulling on those different threads and, and where do I want to lead the reader and which ultimately is going to be the thread that undoes them. Yeah. <laughs> And undone, they do. <laughs> um, 
There's something I want to be sure I don't forget to mention, because going back to the Instagram, I saw this photo of uh, the Paramount Plus television series, um, No Escape, which I instantly ran down the hall and said to my wife, I'm like, we got another series to watch. We got another binge here going. So uh, I'd love to hear you give that a plug uh, and tell me about that show. I mean, the trailer, which I'm going to sneak in here somehow, is brilliant and unnerving. Well, so No Escape is my third novel. It's a thriller set on a yacht sailing through the Philippines. And it was um, produced by Paramount Plus as a seven-part series, which launched... Uh, in the UK this spring, and I think it's just about to land in the US. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. The yeah. production values, I mean, God, it, it's incredible. Um, and I was very lucky to be part of that process and to go out onto set and seeing being filmed. Um, and it has just been, you know, it's, it was, it's been my first taste of the TV world. And since then, I'm fortunate enough to have something else that's just wrapped and two things in development um, but as the first TV experience it couldn't have been any more joyful because the yacht is the setting and so we had this wonderful seven month shoot you know in in Thailand which actually doubles as the Philippines in, in the show um, and just the, the the reaction and response it was you know the, the sort of top show on Paramount Plus for the summer it's been phenomenal so yeah, I've been blown away by it and, and loved every moment of it. Well, I will feel like a geek if I gush too much because <laughs> you're living my ultimate dream to, to write a book and have it seen on the screen. So you're just like oh. blowing my mind. <laughs> it's blowing my mind. This was never this dream. This was like not even the dream. It was too big. And it's just I've stumbled, stumbled casually into it. And I'm very grateful for each moment of it stumbled i don't know you don't have your kind of talent and track record and just stumble i did a good stumble <laughs> okay all right well uh in your other books let's let's mention those real quick because i want to flash them up on the screen we've got to, oh before that wait a minute let me do this let's play the trailer of no escape so my viewers uh, who watch on youtube can see it Look, 14 hours ago, a distress call was picked up from a vessel identified as the Blue. Has something happened? Search was undertaken. The Blue was found. No one on board. What's happened to them? That's what we're trying to find out. Well, maybe we should move on to the boat itself. Safest. You've got visitors. Start there, shall we? See how we go. You're in the Philippines. Why? Why are you? I'm running away. And we all. Guys, there's a weird light over there. Better check it out. Hey. What did you find? Maybe everything's gonna be all right. Think you can trust him? It's not them I'm worried about. We need to move this boat. The cops are searching boats. I don't even know what you think in it. Jump! It's gonna be fine. It is. We can't run away forever. What are you after? I don't know. What are you doing? I'm 
Can you hear me? You recognize the voice? If we're in trouble, will you help me? So that was fantastic. And as uh, Lucy just said, how about the production value? It's just, it makes your palms sweat, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's been so joyful. Seeing the, going to the premiere of it was just, oh my God, just, you know, I'd seen it in throughout the editing process and being on set and everything, but just seeing it on a big screen with everyone for the first time properly was just, you know, I was just sat there like, I still can't believe this. Yeah. And the book was called The Blue in the in the US, correct? That's right. And in okay. the UK, it's No Escape. And so they've gone with the UK title for the show. But that's right. It's, it's out as The Blue. I like No Escape. It's infinitely more thriller-esque, don't you think? Well, exactly that. But The Blue is the name of the yacht that oh. it's set on. And it has quite a soulful feeling. Um, and so I think that readers typically prefer the name The Blue once they've read the book. But mm. for Paramount and the TV world, you're absolutely right. The Blue doesn't tell you anything. And you need it to be identified clearly as this is a dark thriller. And No Escape does that. Yeah, yeah. The Blue, the, might as well be saying The Boat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So your other books include One of the Girls, The Castaways, You Let Me In. Last Scene, No Escape, A Single Breath, and The Sea Sisters. And what I sense from that, doing research and reading uh, blurbs, so is I got this resounding theme, uh, and tell me if I'm on point sure. or I'm off base, kind of a well, vulnerability, quiet danger, and all these places of epic beauty. First of all, am I on point? And second of all, where do you suppose all that comes from? I think you are on point, and I think... The thing that perhaps also connects them is I love exploring female relationships and dynamics, whether that's sisters or friendships. Um, and I think for me, I have a, a note on my um, pin board, which says, and I've had it up there since I was an unpublished author, and it took me you know, a couple of books before I got published. And it says, write the type of book you want to read. And... That's exactly what I have done and I'll continue to do. And I think as I've journeyed through eight novels now, what I'm writing, it's, it's the similar, um, you know, it's all about place and relationships, but the things that I'm kind of experiencing in my life, like becoming a mother and just different as I'm growing, you know, my first book was about backpacking in your early 20s. And now I'm kind of writing uh, more to do with my own stage in life. And I think... I love that sort of journey because it keeps it fresh for me. Like I'm experiencing new things and then I love exploring on the page. Well, <clears throat> there's that. It kind of begs a question. Uh, a gal, uh, a writer, talented writer, Aaron Flanagan was on the show recently and we joked about how she and I during the conversation felt as though we were on one another's therapy couch <laughs> and how it appears that, uh, us writers, we tend to try to work out our internal demons on the page. And so I wondered, as I was reading this book, and I thought about you, and I'm, I'm looking at the family, and it's so idyllic and so beautiful, as often social media does, and yet this torment of story is going on. So I thought, do you feel like you're working out issues, uh, perhaps in your subconscious throughout these books? Yeah, 
Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's just such a great space to do it. And I think like in the hike, it's it's four women in their thirties, all very different. And you know, we've got a mother and a someone who's a, basically a rock star, very famous. Someone who's a kind of more steady, controlled existence. Who's a GP with two children, a stay-at-home father, and different dynamics and I feel like that there are shades of myself in each of the characters despite the fact that their personalities are so different and I suppose you can sort of take a small train of thought that you have or a small part of yourself and you can magnify it and blow it up and have fun with it and see who you might have been if you had kind of pushed one aspect of your personality more so I feel, and I, I've noticed that in, in really most of my books, that the characters, in part, are all a slight reflection of myself, which, you know, if you read some of the characters, you might think, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just think it's a really fun way to explore the self. Well, I mean, think about it. If you, uh, you know, we're all, we all show different facets, different faces. Isn't it interesting that face and facet are the same? Uh, to our um, friends and family, you know, whether we're on social media or in personal conversation with loved ones or with new strangers that we've met, we're always showing a particular face. And I often find it curious uh, as to the subconscious struggle that happens. Like when you meet someone new, do you, sh you know, you want, to, and I'm doing a little therapy here. You show them this side because this side feels the most positive and upbeat and so forth when maybe you're having a real shitty day and you're thinking, you know, I, this is what I really want to say to you right now, but I'm not. Yeah. No. I had a really interesting conversation with a friend earlier this week and she's going traveling um, for a month in Costa Rica and she's chosen to go solo. And I said, she had friends who wanted to go with her and she said, you know, actually... I want to do this on my own. And I said, I'm so interested. Like, why do you, why did you want to choose this trip on your own? And she said, which I thought was fascinating, and I no doubt will explore this in a novel in the future, that she wanted to be on her own because she wanted to be who she was and how she was feeling in that moment. So when someone comes into a hostel, if she's feeling a certain way, she wanted that freedom to be whoever, whatever emotion she was feeling then. And she said, you know, if I went with this friend, they know me as this person, or they know this about me, that actually I'm really like quite tidy or whatever it is. And she just said, you know, it's that, it's that sort of chance to just be who I want to be in that moment. And I thought, that's really interesting. And I think there's a, you know, I remember that in a sense when I started university and no one knew me and I was thinking, I could be who I want. Like I can recreate myself. And actually, I didn't. I just ended up being the same me because that was... That was you. Yeah. And, um, but I like that. And I think I know exactly what she means, how you can be limited by the sort of perception of who, who you are in different people's eyes. And we all know that from the way we might be one thing with a certain group of friends and then behave slightly differently with another group. You just triggered something I have not thought about, <clears throat> and I bet over a decade. And uh, my first career was radio, so I would move from city to city, always trying to climb the ladder to get to a bigger market. And with it, each city I traveled, 
when I got ready to leave that city to go to the next one to take on the new challenge, I always had this thought, hey, I can shift my who I am, not change, but shift the things that I don't really like about myself. I can just sign, uh, carve them away yeah. or soften their edges. And the things that I really like about myself, I can rise to the forefront yeah. and show them. So each, and th these were many markets in a row. So I thought that was always interesting. And since yeah. I'm kind of inbred uh, or kind of bred as a, I mean, I see myself as a bit of a chameleon anyway, because of being the way I was brought up. Right. So when you get to shift the facets, and I'm going to go back to something you said with a camera mm -hmm. lens. Yes. So you just shimp, you simply shift what you don't really like, which I yes. think is really kind of healthy because you think, yes. you know, I was a real a-hole over here. Yes. You guys say arsehole. I love that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I can get rid of that and I can just, or maybe you're on a negative vibe and you say, I think I'm going to get rid of that and, and be a better person here. It's, yeah. it's, does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really interesting to explore that in, in fiction, because that's where we explore who we are in reality, right? It's our, it's right. our playground for exploration. So, yeah. And thank you for not saying, uh, David, it uh, looks like our time is up. And we're going to schedule <laughs> your next <laughs> She's checking the watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, one thing I really loved about this book is the uh, the multiple viewpoints. Again, and back to your lens thing, and uh, or maybe better yet, call it uh, alternating perspectives between your four main characters. And I know it's a popular tool these days, so that you get multiple insights in the same similar story. What what drew you to this storytelling technique? And and because I'm not super familiar with the other work, do you? Uh, do you engage that technique in your other books? So, so, yeah. uh, what drew you to that technique, and why do you suppose it works so well? I think in my previous books, I've, I've done lots of different things, but in the the book before this, one of the girls, um, I also use the technique of multiple POV, and I really enjoyed it. I love being able to step into each character's shoes, and I think. It helps for me get in my character's headspace much more quickly. So I think earlier on in my career, a character really took a long time. It was draft after draft before I'd finally feel like, okay, I actually know my character now. Whereas writing from each protagonist's point of view really is a fantastic way to get in their voice and in their head because you get access to their internal thoughts. And that's really what helps me get to know my characters. So that's why I've done it. And I think in terms of tension, it helps because I love it when you see an event from, you know, one person's perspective and then you're pushed straight into someone else's the event, you know, halfway through and it switches to someone else. And it just lends a very natural tension to a story because there are things that characters are holding back, which may be revealed in the next person's voice. Um, so I've really enjoyed the multiple viewpoints and the, the novel I'm working on now, I've gone for single viewpoint as a, as a contrast. And I'm actually, I'm about halfway through and I'm starting to think, do you know what? I think I'm going to go back and add in other characters' point of view because it, it's just, it's so fun to write in different people's voices. Now, if you're halfway through that book, do you see, do you think it's going to take you a long time to go back and, and, and restructure that to add multiple I, viewpoints? 
Oh, do you know, I um, work in such a way that I sort of layer draft after draft after draft. So I will do like 10 drafts before it even goes to my editor. So um, no, it won't. I write a lot in what I call free flow. So it's just like bad writing, bash it out to get the story down and then sort of go back and layer and layer and layer and layer. So yeah, my really early drafts, you know, no, I wouldn't show them to anyone. I call them the dog draft because I wouldn't even show them to like my dog. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they go nowhere. Um, so no, it won't take me long. I write really at the beginning. A novel takes me a long time. I'm not particularly fast writer overall, but my free flow drafts are really fast. You know, I would do like three to five thousand words in a morning and then you know the same again the next day the next day um but the quality shows <laughs> so well don't jump uh the shark here on me because i'm going to, at the end of the show which we're we're closing in on uh, i want to know your best piece of writing advice but don't spill that yet because i have another technique uh and i think you just answered it you answered it in part and we're <laughs> so funny i meet so many different writers and some people love this phrase some people hate the phrase one friend of mine chris hottie says dave don't don't use that phrase around anymore but it has to do with pantser or plotter which one do you find yourself to be i am the sort of annoying author that sits in between so for different books i do different things and my process is not a set thing um so for example in one of the girls my previous novel I spent two days planning the real basics you know it's six women it's Greece it's a hem weekend that goes wrong and then I started writing and I just did, didn't know who was going to die or who was going to be the murderer but just wrote it and so that was a wonderful for me experience because it happened very quickly and fast and I just felt really like impassioned and then other novels I can sit down and, and plan and then go off course and then have to come back and replan. So I just, yeah, every book is different. And I would love to have a process absolutely nailed. Like I'm writing book nine. I, sh I should have, right? I should know how to do it. And every book just is a surprise. And, you know, you start one and you think, oh, my God, this novel's going to be insane. And then you get a third of the way through and you go, it just doesn't work at all. How, what on earth am I going to do? And, and you can never really foresee the hurdles at the beginning. And I think that's a wonderful thing because it gives you the excitement and passion and enthusiasm at the start when everything's open and possible. Yeah. Um, but inevitably, with every book, there are always the big moments where you just go, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah. Don't know. And that's where experience is really helpful. And I recognize those moments. And that's when I wish I was a plotter because I wish I had it all dialed down and I could look at a nice spreadsheet and go oh yeah but you know it doesn't it doesn't work out that way for me yeah and you know what I've gone back and forth with this Lucy over the years I've, I've like oh I'm gonna build a systematic schematic yeah. like my wife is a huge she loves spreadsheets and word yeah. documents and oh I mean spreadsheets breaks me out in hives but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I hate that. But when it comes to st structuring a story, I'm like, oh, well, I've got to, you know, if, if, if I don't know the roadmap, if I don't know how I'm going to get to where I'm going, then I'm, yeah. then other times I'm going, you know what? I just want to run willy nilly and see what happens. And damned if it doesn't end up being equally yeah. successful in either one. So 
to your point, I don't know that it really matters if you have nine. one specific, whatever. Hey, listen, you got eight under your belt. You're getting ready to bang out nine. So you're doing yeah. something right, girlfriend. Something's working. Let's take that. <laughs> yeah. So let's maybe don't mess with the secret sauce. Yeah, let's. Let's keep that pure. So um, the interspersed incident, I'm going <laughs> to, don't, don't ask me where I come up with these ideas. But I went, oh, that interspersed incident. Oh, you mean the inciting incident? You mean the thing that we can't talk about? Yeah, that one. Uh, it's it's so perfectly played, and and it was giving us little snippets of what had happened recently or in the past, but not sharing exactly what it is. Can you share, and again, one more of your inspiration things, uh, of how you craft that without giving it away too soon yeah. and without giving it away to our readers because people are going to want to pick up this book and read I'm telling you that. Right yeah. So I have um, interludes throughout the novel from the perspective of a mountain rescue worker called Leaf. And um, I did a lot of playing around with these interludes throughout the drafting process. Um, and I've done something with them that uh, there's a reveal, which I can't say that sort of, shifts what we think has happened um, in quite a dramatic way and it was really fun to play with really difficult incredibly difficult to get right um, I wanted his voice in it from the beginning and, and this was a very much conscious decision because if you take four women and put them on a hike and sure things go wrong but in the beginning you're doing your character work you're getting to know them in their home lives you're bringing them out to Norway it's all jolly and lovely and they're all excited and there's you know a few dark things happening but actually in the beginning there's the tension you know ramps up as they get further and further on the hike so I needed to from a technical point of view embed the novel with this thread of tension that we know something's going to go wrong and I do yeah. that through this mountain rescuer's voice and I can't really say too much other than right. that um but that was my intention uh, fair, fair enough. And I'll tell you something. It's the, uh, what ended up being my favorite thing about this book. Quick thought. Mm -hmm. It made me go, why aren't there more stories about guys, gaggle of guys going out on adventures, right? Cause it's, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of books with gaggles of gals going out on mm -hmm. an adventure. And I'm like, it made me go, huh? Buddy movies. I mean, buddy movies are basically yeah. that. But my favorite thing about this book was that way that you had that slow simmer mm. until it reaches that rolling boil. I mean, it's hard to get that slow simmer. You're like, and you're like, oh, oh, here, no, it's not here. Oh, here, oh, it's right. No, no, not yet. And you're turning that page. Oh, oh, it's no, not yet. So well I, I love that. Thank you, because I think it's, uh, you know, it's a hard thing pacing in a novel. It's really hard. And I do a lot of work structurally, stripping back, you know, looking, you know, I'll do a whole draft where I'm just looking at the pace and checking, sense checking. And um, you need, you know, you are for me, for a book that I love to read, I have to love the characters and be on board. And therefore, a lot of character work needs to happen, particularly when you're multi-viewpoint. I've got four women, you know, we've got to know them, we've got to care about them. But also, we need to know that threat is coming. And it's just that, you know, shift of the lens that we talked about early on. It's those moments where before anything big and dramatic and pacey is actually happening, I'm just 
switching that camera angle from like a happy moment to, oh, but who was watching them when they had that photo taken? Those tiny things that just put us on high alert as a reader and go, well, do I need to be paying attention to that? Or is it yeah. this thing that's happening over there? Like, yeah. oh, oh, there's stuff, there's stuff. You know, that's what I want people <laughs> to feel at the beginning. There's this one moment that I, I just absolutely love. Uh, one of the gals is run, uh, has gotten lost, misplaced. She's trying to find her friends. She can't. All of a sudden, this guy appears out of nowhere. You're like, bah, where'd he come from? And then all of a sudden, uh, she gets an idea. Well, what if he's dangerous? He, she picks up a rock and he goes, what are you doing with that rock? Oh, nothing. Just, you know, just I collect rocks. He looks down. <laughs> yeah. You're a liar. The scene breaks. You go somewhere else. You come back. He's got the rock in his hand and he's beaten something with blood everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God. But it's not, yeah. it's those moments where you go, oh, you tricked me. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think, that, you know, I find as a, I love hiking. And I think one of the things is that if I go for a solo run on my own on the beach or if I'm hiking on my own, most of the tension is, is going on in my own head. You know, it's the, that feeling that you're in a beautiful place and suddenly with the flip of a thought that place can turn from beauty to darkness and that's what I'm always interested in is just those tiny moments you know we've got someone lost in the woods and there's someone there is that person going to help her and lead her to safety or is he a threat and all of that stuff in her head like that's where the tension is yeah okay we have done enough teasing to get my listeners and my viewers to go Okay, thanks, Dave. I get this a lot, uh, Lucy. I get this a lot. Oh, so you're adding to my TBR list again? Okay, great. Just what I need. I already have one this yeah, big, and you've that, just added. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, as we get ready to close, because I realize I've gone over time just a little bit, I want to know that best piece of writing advice. Now, you've laid some things out there for me that I think, oh, I got a pretty good idea. I think I could stitch them, stitch them together, but. I'd love to hear because I ask all my guests on the show and my listeners love that closing question. What's your big secret? I always read with a pen in my hand and that is my secret. Um, I, I will underline when I'm reading a novel, whether it's a novel that I love or they don't love, I am reading analytically to think, why did I feel that emotion then? What have they done? Is it how they structured it? Is it the way they've created the character? Was it just a snippet of dialogue? What is it? And I think you, if to be a good writer, you need to be a good reader. And for me to be a good reader, that means just making sure I'm sort of logging mentally why that book worked. So that would be my, my main piece of advice. Read with a pen in your hand. I love that. Now... I'm in a very unique position. By the way, I love that, and thank you for that advice. It's perfect. I'm in a unique position in that I will often get an arc that is paper, so I feel perfectly comfortable yellow highlighting. I mean, like, for instance, no help, no cell coverage, no one here to hear them scream. Okay, that right there. I'm like, you've got to remember that. But I'm making notes just like you do. But here's, here's the advantage. Watch this. I had to reach off camera because this came just a few days ago, which is the grand and glorious, beautiful hardcover. Yeah. Because this I hold in my little sacred, special place so that one day later, when I've gotten, gotten away from this show, this episode, I can look down and go, oh, there's a nice, clean, fresh copy yeah. for me to enjoy. 
it's unmarked. It's pristine. Yeah. Maybe one day when I meet Lucy, she'll come and she'll autograph the phone. <laughs> I love that. Do you know, I've got no boundaries. My most precious hardbacks have got my writing all over them. Um, and the only difficulty is I've just lent a book to a friend down at the beach huts. And I've scribbled all over it. And I'm like, oh, what's she going to know about me from like things I've written in the margins? And yeah, and I just handed it to her like, could I have it back, please, when you're finished? Yeah. Um, because I treasure them because I've got thoughts in them as I'm reading. So, yeah, all the pages scribbled on, dogged. I fold the corners. There's sand in the spine. My books aren't pristine, but they are well loved. You know, and this is a perfect place to add a little lesson that I have learned recently. And it's going to, it might sound a little simplistic, but I'm going to share it with you because it's really interesting to me. We just moved from uh, one little town down the road to another little town. And I don't know where I got this habit. Maybe it's because my parents grew up in the Depression. They didn't want to, you know, they hoarded everything and they didn't want to lose anything. And they have since passed. But so I have this thing about, I've, I've got to hang on to that because I could use that someday. Lucy, I mean, I, but I know this bottle capper with something yeah. silly. I could use that again someday. I could re, that cord, that, uh, that cord might come back. So recently I came to this thing and I hope this isn't boring. So I went, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not looking at this the right way. I need to look at this. This has served me. I have enjoyed it. I got the use out of it. And you know what? I'm just going to give it to someone and let them enjoy it, especially if it's something beautiful. Yeah, that's a lovely way just to let it go. Let and it to go. thank the object and just be like, we've had a good time. Yeah. Free. Yeah, you don't owe me anything. I've gotten all my pleasure out of it, and now someone else can. And one of these was my, my, my Weber grill, because I'm a big grill fan. Well, in this new place... I couldn't have a grill on the balcony, so I had, gave it away, and I was like, okay. bye. Oh, My favorite. How many amazing meals someone else is going to joyfully produce on it. Yeah, side note, the guy shows up and he goes, oh. oh my goodness. And he goes, this thing is pristine. I'm like, yeah, it's seven years old. He goes, it looks brand new. And I'm like, you better treat it good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Sorry about that little tangent. <clears throat> <laughs> this has been absolutely delightful folks once again the book is the hike you're going to want to read this it's you know i, I i'm it does make me want to go back and like for instance i'm going to see one of the girls and then of course now tammy and i are going to be watching uh no escape on yeah. paramount but rock solid book lucy rock thank solid. you thank you so pleased you enjoyed it and thank you for having me david it's been lovely to chat Absolutely my pleasure. And folks, if you want to learn more, go to Lucy-Clark with an E dot com. Follow her on Instagram and uh, Twitter, now called X, just like I do. And uh, again, just you're as delightful and charming as I had anticipated. And this book is stunning. So thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. Your front row seat to the best thrillers. The thrillers on. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.